You're listening to the Storyteller Series from The Salvation Army. For more information or to share your questions and comments, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org. The Book of Acts, Chapter 21 After we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos. The next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patara. We found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, went on board, and set sail. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyre, where our ship was to unload its cargo. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out of the city, and there on the beach we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Petolemais, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. After this, we started on our way up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home of Manasseh, where we were to stay. He was a man from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James, and all the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard this, they praised God. Then they said to Paul, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. What shall we do? They will certainly hear that you have come, so do what we tell you. There are four men with us who have made a vow. Take these men, join in their purification rites, and pay their expenses, so that they can have their heads shaved. Then everyone will know there is no truth in these reports about you but that you yourself are living in obedience to the law. As for the Gentile believers, we have written to them our decision that they should abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. The next day, Paul took the men and purified himself along with them. Then he went to the temple to give notice of the date when the days of purification would end and the offering would be made for each of them. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. 
They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help us! This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law in this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. The whole city was aroused, and the people came running from all directions. Seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd shouted one thing and some another, and since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed kept shouting, Get rid of him! As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, May I say something to you? Do you speak Greek? He replied. Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the wilderness some time ago? Paul answered, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. After receiving the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic, Here in chapter 21, something really interesting happens. And we see that Paul has an encounter, starting in verse 10, with this man of God, this prophet named Agabus. And he comes from Judea to Paul intentionally. And he gives like a word from the Lord in this very Old Testament fashion of doing what is known as a prophetic act. So he actually does something that symbolizes what God wants to say to his people. And we see in verse 11, he takes Paul's belt, he ties his own hands and feet with it and says, the Holy Spirit says, this is how the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and hand him over to the Gentiles. And uh, that's pretty messed up because I feel like if, if someone came to me and was like, hey, this little plan you have, this is how it's going to go down. And it ends in me being like somehow restrained or restricted or imprisoned in some way. My um, my modern mind receives that as, oh, well, then I had better not do that thing because that is not the outcome that I want, because in my mind, um, that would be bad and wrong. But uh, as I have been preparing for this chapter in our discussion, one of the things that I have been reading through is this idea that the warnings from the Holy Spirit of God then and now, uh, especially in Paul's life, they weren't to stop him from moving forward. They were to prepare him for what was to come, because we know that it's not just our gift as believers to be blessed by God, but it's to suffer alongside of Jesus for the sake of the gospel when the when the Lord draws us in that direction. And so I feel like for my first world entitled, privileged um, self, that's a hard thing to wrap my mind around, but I believe that it is um, a gospel truth 
that there's not just um, being blessed by God, but there's also suffering that comes alongside of him for the sake of the gospel. Yeah. And the fact that, and and Heather, I'm glad that you pointed that out because isn't it wild? Y'all, how does Paul respond, right? Like Agabus comes and he gives this prophetic word, right? And it's like, oh, you know, your hands are tied, feet are bound, you know, it's like, it's super intense. And we see Paul responds with the will of the Lord be done. The will of the Lord be done, y'all. Like this is not a simple, like, Paul, listen, when he converted, like he, he said he was all in, he is all in to where now he's quoting Christ, right? Like thy will be done um, because he is so passionately um, wanting to share the gospel of Jesus with every and anyone who will listen. I thought that was pretty intense. It is. It's, it's really challenges us, doesn't it? He says, for I'm ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Wow. Mm. And we see that Paul makes good on such, um, you know, incredible rhetoric and is challenged and fiercely challenged uh, here in this chapter. What's interesting to me is that Luke doesn't hide the fact that Paul's ministry causes such social unrest. Today, when we think about nonviolent protest movements or nonviolent uh, social movements, we think that um, any kind of adversity that they encounter is proof of the validity of those movements, that that uh, when such movements encounter um, violence, that means that those movements are probably legitimate and good. Well, that sort of notion that we have today, that I think is largely the product of the civil rights movement uh, and us being on this side of it now, that notion really didn't exist in Luke's day. And so for him to even bring up the riots that he does in Acts, I think illustrates two things. One is that he wants to demonstrate how Paul is really not the cause of the violence that he encounters, but um, that the violence that Paul has met with so often is really the product of um, of the the people who are resisting Paul, but really the demonic forces that animate the world and are opposed to the gospel spread. And I think the second thing it illustrates too is that Acts is probably written within living memory of these riots. That we can date Acts rather early because. Luke is trying to write to people who've heard about these riots, and he want, and Luke is trying to say to them, look, Paul didn't start this. This is stuff that others did in response to the way that God was using Paul to minister the gospel. In chapter 21, we also see, especially through verses 20 to 26, that the Jewish believers are feeling a little nervous about how like the equilibrium is going to go down because they start to try and convince Paul to conform a bit. So they're like, come on, like just shave your head and stuff because when you show up in Jerusalem, we don't want everyone to think this or that about you. And so like, I feel like, uh, and I, I um, resonate with that because I'm always the person that is trying to like keep peace and make sure everybody's okay. And so I feel like Paul shows up and is like, you know, like he's always been all across all these journeys as we've seen through acts, but he's now in Jerusalem 
and the the other Jews are kind of like, okay, like, let's not rock the boat, you know, um, they want him to conform a bit, because they don't want him to be controversial, um, and I wonder about that, um, because, like, Paul um, had been pleasing God, there had been fruit in his ministry, that as he's been all over the place, like, the spirit of God has been moving through him and amazing things have been happening. And now that he's back in Jerusalem, he has to sort of conform. And I feel like um, there's something to be said just for conforming for conformity's sake. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing, Heather, because I think that also uh, speaks to the way that we, we live. Do we live to please God uh, above pleasing people? I think that's uh, a question to ponder each day. In one of the commentaries uh, that I, I read about this chapter, uh, it's from Matthew Henry. I thought uh, there was just a quote that stood out to me uh, where he says, integrity and uprightness will be more likely to preserve us than insincere compliances. And I thought that was so powerful. Rather than insincere compliances, uh, integrity, and uprightness. And uh, for me, that that's how I want to live my life. And, and maybe that's that what can help me, help us uh, find a good balance. Dude, I, I struggle with that because I'm definitely a strong opinioned person. And I think it is valuable, I think, with within a church body for people to be, uh, to feel the freedom to really express their opinion on certain topics if nothing else, I think it is important to surround yourself with like-minded believers. And that might be moments when you're like, oh, this may not be my tribe. <laughs> and and sometimes that has to happen and that's okay. You know, but I think if everyone just kind of goes around just trying not to offend anybody, um, you never really get to know anyone. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this show, please share it with a friend. You can subscribe to the Storyteller series on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or your own favorite podcast store. For more information, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org.